Welcome to Starting the Conversation, the podcast which uncovers what it really looks like to run a business, show up online and do your own thing. If we haven't been introduced before, hello, my name's Alice. I'm a digital marketing coach based in the UK and I'm also the host of this podcast. There's nothing I enjoy more than talking about the unspoken sides of being an entrepreneur and sitting down in conversation with others who get it. We all know how running a business and being self-employed can very often be a lonely and consuming experience. So it's my intention that these episodes bring a bit of community and encouragement to what you're doing. In today's episode, I'll be celebrating 50 episodes on this podcast and a year of it being around with a little bit of a Q&A. So if you're ready to discover more about my story, what the first year of this podcast has looked like and where I see starting the conversation heading, then keep on listening. Well, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to episode number 50 of Starting the Conversation. What a milestone. I cannot quite believe there are 50 episodes uploaded on this podcast. And probably more importantly, the day that this episode is being uploaded, which is the 9th of February 2019, is exactly a year to date since the very first episode of Starting the Conversation was launched. So we're not only celebrating 50 episodes, but we're celebrating a whole year of this podcast being alive. And what a journey it has been. I remember when I started this podcast, I didn't quite know what the concept was. Took me quite a while to really find my flow with it. I didn't know if people were going to listen to it. In fact, the first probably few months I was doing it, only my friends and family were listening to it. And I was just kind of in those early stages of figuring out what it would look like. And for me now, this podcast is one of my favourite things that I do. I adore planning it. I adore the concept of it. It's one of my favourite kind of elements of my business. I'm so, so blown away by the amount of people that do tune in and connect with the episodes and enjoy listening to them and find comfort and encouragement in them. And it's just been an amazing year. When I look back at having this podcast, it truly doesn't feel like it's been a whole year because it's just gone so quickly. And when I think back to those early days, I'm very grateful to little 2017 year old me for making this podcast a reality because now, as I said, it's one of my faves. I love recording episodes and I'm probably most loving recording this episode. It's probably going to be a bit more chatty than normal because I'm doing a bit of a Q&A. I thought, you know, I can't reach 50 episodes and a year of the podcast and not do something to celebrate that. I feel like that's quite a milestone. I love an excuse to do something a bit different, to have a chat, to have a bit of a ramble. You know me on this podcast. I don't tend to cut out when I say the wrong thing or do something wrong. So today's episode is going to be in that spirit. And I thought I would answer some questions. So I asked on Instagram for your questions. Classic, I know. And thankfully, you guys asked questions. There's always that fear when you use that little questions box on Instagram that you're going to check 10 hours later and no one will have said anything. Um, But thank you for asking lots of questions. Um, As much as people said they wanted a bit of a personal Q&A, 90% of the questions were about business. So I thought, hey, we'll just roll with it. A lot of the questions were evolving around my story into my business, which I realise is something I've not really shared on this podcast. You can probably pick it up kind of pieces of my story and in, in different episodes or if you listen to when I'm on other people's podcasts obviously generally I tell my story on those but I thought it'd be nice to answer some questions on here about the story behind my business how it came to be what those early days looked like and also I'm going to at the end answer three more general business questions which people seem to be asking but I thought something to start off that would be quite nice to do because it's my intention that this podcast is going to carry on and it's going to reach a two-year anniversary and a three-year anniversary 
anniversary. So I thought every time I reach a anniversary of the podcast, I will do an episode like this and I will answer the three same questions. I haven't prepared answers, by the way, to any of the questions I'm answering today. So if you came here for a really succinct, to the point, value adding, relevant, you know, action-based episode, I would go and listen to one of the others, which has a title which indicates that it's like that because today's episode is probably going to be quite chatty. But hey, people seem to like the chattiness. So I thought I'd start with three questions, like I said, that I'm going to answer every single year to kind of sum up where the podcast is at so I can look back and reflect and think, oh, a year ago, that was how I felt about the podcast and here's how I feel about it now. I know, it's great. So the first podcast related question I want to answer is the highlight of the first year of this podcast. I've already said the word podcast about 10 times, probably more, and I'm probably going to say it another 200 times. So let's just get out the way that there is no other word for podcast and episode, okay? There are no other words for those things, so we're just going to have to get used to that separation. Um, Not separation. We're going to have to get used to that... I always forget words on this podcast and then I get like 20 Instagram messages like, "Uh, that was the word you were looking for. And I'm like, thanks. Um, I think I meant... I mean, I've literally forgotten a very, very normal word of when you repeat yourself. I don't know. Anyway, first, oh my gosh. Oh, this is why I do prepare notes, by the way, for most of my episodes, because they end up like this. But the highlight of the first year of this, oh my gosh, the word I meant was repetition. Sorry, I've just remembered the words. You don't have to put me in a message on Instagram. If you've just paused the episode to send me a message, play it although you wouldn't hear this if you paused it. Anyway, I know the word, repetition. Sorry about the repetition of the words podcast and episode. Anyway, first question. (laughs) Highlight of the first year of this podcast. Um, Well, like I said, the podcast started out with a... If you listen to some of the early episodes, like they weren't my best work. It would probably be a really effective form of torture to make me listen back to those first few episodes because they're so cringy to me and I just had no clue what I was doing didn't really know how to interview people well. I think a lot of the guest episodes were good because the guest was good, but the way that I facilitated those conversations maybe wasn't great. It was definitely a lot less conversational and engaging um, as they are now. I would say my highlight was when I really felt like the podcast was what what I wanted it to be. And that was in, I think, autumn of last year. So about like six, seven months after it had launched, I was still not really feeling like I found my flow with it. And then I released an episode talking about how my business had felt like a failure that year and how everything had really pivoted and just getting really honest about what that failure looked like, having no clients, having no money. And I think that for me was the first episode where the content of it and the way it resonated with people was like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is the podcast that I want to create. These are the episodes that I want to be sharing. And I think from that point, I really found my flow that I was going to talk about very unspoken and taboo topics. And I wanted it to be conversational and as if people were listening to just two people having a chat when I had guest episodes. So that for me was a really fundamental episode because it marked the point where I really got the podcast and I felt like the podcast was making the impact that I wanted it to have. I think before that point, I didn't really know what I wanted this podcast to look like. But as soon as that went out there and people found comfort in it and people realized they weren't alone and people really just found an element of kind of both it's okay not to be okay but also here's a way to help with that 
I was like, yes, that's what I want to do with this podcast. So definitely that was the highlight of the first year. Second question is, what do I feel is next for starting the conversation? I genuinely think, and this is probably a really boring answer, but just more of the same. Like I said, I really feel like I found my flow with it. I feel really confident with the type of episodes I'm creating. And I feel like I'm getting to know you guys a lot better in terms of what episodes you like listening to and what you find interesting. And the guests that I'm having on, I'm really excited about. So for me, it's just taking that up to another level. So I've got all the guest episodes sorted for the first half of this year, but my next step is to figure out the second half of this year and really just keep getting people on this podcast who are going to be honest and going to be open and going to talk about things that aren't always talked about and just share their narratives. So for me, that's what the podcast is looking like this year. I would love to do some live recordings. I would love to consider getting a sponsor so that I can really step up the production level in this podcast obviously disclaimer it would of course be a sponsor that I actually like and feel comfortable with and I'd be very conscious about doing that in a good way but I think in terms of the content I'd love that to stay the same but I would just look at stepping up how I record things and maybe doing some events around the podcast and stuff like that because as much as it's nice you listening to my voice digitally it's really nice to see people in person and actually have those conversations face to face. The third and final question is what the five most popular episodes have been of this podcast so far this year. So I have purely taken this from statistics. I haven't picked, you know, my favorites. I've just picked your favorites. So the first most popular episode, which is actually quite a recent one, was would your business exist without Instagram? Which is where I was basically talking about having sustainability in your marketing and not solely relying on Instagram for your business. So that one, yeah, is the most popular, which kind of surprises me, but also not because I know it's something that we're all probably a bit fearful of and guilty of is relying on that platform too much. The second most popular episode, which doesn't surprise me, is a really really early episode I think episode number three maybe where I talked with Hayley Vincent who is a travel blogger and a travel Instagrammer Um, I think primarily that one probably has the second lot of listens because she has a big audience and she obviously shared it with them but that's still a conversation that I see people listening to a lot because actually she talked really honestly about the kind of inside like inside the travel industry and what that really looks like and the behind the scenes of the beautiful Instagram photos. And I think a lot of people really found that episode refreshing and I just appreciated how honestly she shared within that. The third most popular episode, which I've already mentioned, was the one late last year where I talked about my business feeling like a failure and not having any clients or any money. It doesn't surprise me at all that that is the third most listened to episode because I know that so many people can resonate with it and find comfort and encouragement in that one. Um, I will link all of these in the show notes, by the way, if you do want to go and have a listen or just scroll back and you will find them. The fourth most popular episode, which is quite a recent one again, was the episode I did with Kath from Sadler Jones talking about sustainability in your business. Kath creates paper goods and she both sells direct to consumer and also through some amazing... um, like businesses like John Lewis and HomeSense and we just had a conversation about what it looks like for her to become more sustainable in her workload and also in the impact that her business has on the environment and I know so many people love that episode because it's something that's really hot at the moment in terms of a topic and a lot of people could learn from Kath's story and Kath's experience and then the fifth most listened to episode on this podcast was tips for productivity and beating the midweek blur which is basically when you hit Wednesday afternoon and you 
don't think that you can achieve anything and you just feel a bit unproductive. I know that my kind of productivity and organizational content is something that people are really interested in. Definitely on Instagram, it's something that people love. So again, doesn't surprise me that that one's up there and it's one that I am still listening back to myself because I will say, any expertise I share on this podcast is still a work in progress for me. I'm never sharing something from the perspective of me getting it or knowing it or being really, really confident in it. Often I'm just sharing things that I'm working through and for me that was one of those episodes where I shared different ways that you can kind of up your productivity and make the most of your time. So those are the five most popular episodes. Those are the three questions that I'm going to answer about the podcast every single year. Now let's move on to the questions that you asked about me and about my business which feels very narcissistic. It's almost like I'm hosting my own guest episode but I am both the asker of the questions and the answerer of them which is I use the word narcissistic a lot on this podcast, but I think that is the epitome of it. Um, But as I said at the start, a lot of the conversations actually revolved around my story into my business. So I'm going to answer a few of those and I hopefully kind of take you on that journey and explain to you how my business came to be. Because like I said, I realise it's something I've not really shared in its entirety on this podcast. So the first question is, how did you start your business? Now you might see in my Instagram bio that I call myself an accidental entrepreneur and that is most definitely true. It's not just a buzzword. It genuinely was an accident, me starting my business. I was 17 at the time. I was finishing my AS levels and much to everybody around me's um, distaste, I decided to leave school. I, despite being predicted pretty good grades and being quote-unquote, you know, a model student. I just didn't find school a good fit for me. I was never made to peak in my teens. School was never my place. I found the pressure incredibly hard to deal with and I think it reached a peak when I was doing that first set of exams in my A-levels. So I decided to leave school and I took up an apprenticeship which was in sales administration and events management. Now I did that apprenticeship for about nine months and through a really random turn of events, I met someone at a breakfast buffet at a hotel who told me that he ran a big UK charity and we just got talking and he asked me what I wanted to do and I said, well, you know, I'd love to work in events. At that time, I thought that was what I wanted my job to be. So we, I think, exchanged email addresses. I didn't really think anything of it at the time. I was just like, oh, cool. He seems like a successful man. Off I go wherever I was going and then a few months later I was actually driving home from a job interview at another job because I was kind of desperate to do more I'm always one of those people where like as soon as I've mastered something I want the next thing and I want to kind of get to the next place which is both a strength and a weakness but I was in that place and I was looking for more and he sent me this email that basically said hey I am blah 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 we met then we've got an events job available in our company do you want it I mean, what amazing time. I was actually driving home from a job interview because I wanted to do something new. Obviously, 17-year-old me is like, yes, of course I want to do that. That's the most exciting thing. What I didn't realize at the time is that working for this guy meant becoming a consultant. So everyone that worked for him was a part-time consultant. Nobody worked full-time. Everyone was two, three days a week and everyone was technically self-employed and did other jobs at the same time. So I didn't really think anything of that. He was like, cool, this is how we work. You're going to be a consultant. This is going to be your role. We're all good. I was like, chill, great, makes sense. Again, didn't really make sense looking back to go from a full-time salary to a like two-day-a-week 
consultancy job at 17, but I did it. But the second that I started in the company, it became apparent that this events job wasn't available yet. And they basically said, look, this events job is available in two months time. In the interim, will you manage our social media one day a week? Again, I don't quite know why. If I'd really been thinking about it, I took that decision. But at the time I was like, cool, I'm living at home. I don't have a ton of responsibility. I can afford to just be paid one day a week for a while. And hey, it's a stepping stone to that events job that I want. So with no experience, I became their social media manager. I very quickly realized it was something that I loved and pretty quickly also realized it was something I was quite good at. I enjoyed storytelling. I enjoyed taking a message which some people might find quite boring or repetitive and presenting it in a way that people would find engaging and would want to start a conversation off the back of. So within that those two months where I was their one day a week social media manager through word of mouth and just meeting people on the job, I ended up growing a full set of clients which led me to be a full-time social media manager. So you can imagine when it got to the end of that two months and they were like, hey, here's your events job. And I was like, oh, actually, I think I've just found something that I like more. I'm going to carry on with this. I suddenly realized like, oh, this is my job now. Like I am doing this full time. And at no point did it really feel like a business. It just felt like saying yes to a lot of opportunities and applying myself to those opportunities the best that I could. But pretty much that was a story of how I accidentally became self-employed and became a social media manager. And obviously there's a whole story off the back of that about what it then looked like to pivot from being a social media manager to a digital marketing coach, which is what I do now. And that process in itself is something I have talked about more in this podcast where I worked super hard, I burnt out, I had to basically start afresh and then really it felt like I was starting a business again when I relaunched as a digital marketing coach. So although the first time was very accidental, I've definitely had experience in starting a business intentionally because the second time around after I'd burnt out and taken that time off, I had to kind of do it over again. I hope that answers that question enough. There's so much more detail I could go into about elements of that story, but that's pretty much where my business began. The second question someone's asked is what gave you the idea and how did someone else asked, how did you know what to go into? So like you'll have got from that story, for me, it was never like sit down and think, okay, well, I'm good at storytelling and I'm good at visual media and I quite enjoy photography and I quite enjoy writing. So maybe social media management would be for me. It was literally just a case if I fell into the job, I really loved it. I found out that it was something I was quite good at and then I thought, okay, I'm gonna pursue this. So again, it wasn't an intentional decision, but definitely one that looking back, obviously I had a choice in that moment, whether I stopped doing social media management and took on that events job, but I knew that I'd found something that I really loved and that I think if you love something, that's a really amazing thing and you should try and pursue that as much as you can to make it something that is profitable and can be your job as well as being something that you really enjoy. So that for me is how I knew broadly what to go into. If you think about it, the second time my business launched, how did I know to become a digital marketing coach? Well, for me, that was knowing, okay, A, I love social media. I love storytelling. I love the part where you know something you've done is successful. I love a challenge. But what I don't love about social media management is that I'm tied to loads of contracts with loads of bosses and I have deadlines all the time and I'm always having to do the physical work and I never really get to see the transformation because I'm always playing a part in it. So that for me was the part where I was like, okay, so I love this part of the job, but I hate this part. How can I create a job that uses the good part but doesn't use the bad part? So for me, that was where digital marketing coaching came in um, because I realized, hey, 
I love the part where someone is empowered with the knowledge to do it themselves. I love the idea of people not being reliant on me to do it for them, but instead having that knowledge and understanding for themselves. And I love the process. I love storytelling. I love visual media. I love how it all plays a part in a big picture. So for me, that was where coaching came in. I realized that actually, if I was going to relaunch my business in a way that was sustainable and in a way that was going to make me happy, I needed to change the way that I was doing it. I loved the content of what I was doing, but I needed to change the context. So for me, that was A, how I knew what to go into initially. I fell into it and fell in love with it. And B, how I knew how to pivot that, which is that I looked at what I did and didn't like about the role that I was doing before, and then thought about how I could transform and pivot that to make it something that was better for me. The third question that's been asked is, what practical steps did you take to pivot from social media management to coaching? So again, I've already kind of mentioned what that process looked like in terms of deciding to coach, but physically to go from having retainer clients and clients who, you know, 90 probably percent of companies are interested in outsourcing their digital marketing if they don't do it in-house, 10% of people that do it in-house are looking for support with that. It's a much smaller part of the market. So for me, that was something that was a real, I guess, learning curve. It wasn't like, it's not as easy to gain coaching clients as it was to gain clients for social media management. But that's not to say that it was at all a bad idea because I don't regret it at all. I just had to shift the way that I was marketing and the way that I was talking about what I did and the value that it added. So some of the practical things that I did is I slowly started easing out my social media clients because even though I'd taken that time out and obviously not worked for six months, I was still getting a load of inquiries when I came back to work for social media management. It's what I was known for. Word of mouth I know is so incredibly powerful, but actually word of mouth was doing me a disfavor because it was telling people that I did social media management. So I was getting all these great inquiries for a job that I didn't want to do. So short term, I did take up some of those contracts so I could have money and pay bills and give myself a bit of security. But when I got to a point where I was like, okay, I really wanna pivot to purely coaching and I think I've got enough money here to do this. What that looked like was easing out all of those social media management clients, which if anyone's listening here and you work on retainers, you will know that's not an easy process. Telling people that something that they pay you to do monthly is no longer gonna be able to be done and you're just gonna hand it all back to them is an interesting conversation to have. Some of them took it really well, some of them took a bit more work and conversations, but that was the first step for me. And then it really looked like looking at the foundations of my business and just checking it all and thinking, hey, my business has been built for social media management. Do I need to shift anything? Do I need to change anything in order for it to be more coaching based? So even looking at you know the language that I was using, the way that I was using social media, the copy on my website, the contracts, my invoices, the way I was emailing. I literally just looked at everything and thought, hey, how does this match up to the way that I want my business to be? And it was a very slow transition. If you've listened to that episode last year where I talked about not feeling um, like my business was a success and not having clients, that was in that time where I was trying to transition from social media management to coaching. That wasn't an easier process. I kind of assumed in my head I could just click my fingers, call myself a coach and gain clients. But pivoting a whole business to be in a completely different direction. And although, you know, what I was teaching and what I guess digital marketing was the same, but the way that I was working in digital marketing was completely different. And I think I probably slightly didn't expect for that to be so 
difficult and work intensive. Um, and I definitely learned as I went along. But if you listen to that episode, um, I think it's episode number 36. No, episode number 26. Yes, 26. If you go and listen to that, I talked a bit more about what that transition looked like. But really, it was still taking on social media management clients until I had enough money, phasing out those clients, completely changing the way that I was marketing and talking about myself. And it's worth adding here that if you want your business to go in a certain direction, you need to market as if you're already at that place. And that's not lying. That's not saying that I already had coaching clients at that time on Instagram when I didn't. But what it was, was ensuring that even though my clients at the time didn't look like I wanted them to, I shifted the way that I was speaking. I shifted my marketing. I shifted my social media to call myself a digital marketing coach because really it takes so much groundwork to change the way that people see you and to change what you're known for and I think that's really only coming into fruition now is all that hard work of shifting those perceptions and changing what people know me for um I probably still get an email every couple of weeks from someone wanting social media management but it's a lot less than it used to be and I've definitely found my people and found a name for myself in what I'm known for but yeah that process wasn't an easy one but it's a pivot that I wouldn't change for the world so if you're listening to this and thinking oh I might want to pivot you've just made it sound terrifying and crazy hard work. Yes, it's crazy hard work. Probably part of the reason why I made so many mistakes is because I'm fairly young and naive and that's not me, you know, putting a downer on myself. It's just me saying that I don't have a ton of industry experience behind me and a lot of the decisions that I make are fueled off of instinct. Now a lot of them, thankfully, are off of experience and evidence and talking to other people. But definitely at that time, I was a kind of make up as you go along kind of attitude. So that's probably why for me, it was such a long and hard transition. But if anyone's listening to this and thinking of doing something similar, I don't regret it in any way. And it's definitely one of the best decisions I've made in my business alongside starting this podcast. Um, I'm going to answer two more questions. There's actually about six more that I think I thought I could answer, but I'm just going to answer two more, which are based on my story. And then maybe I can do another episode with the others. Quite a few people were asking about how do I find my ideal client? How do I protect my time? Um, how do I feel about the way social media is at the moment? What does my day to day look like? And those are all things I'd love to share, but I just don't want this episode to be super long. And actually I have a train to catch in 25 minutes. So (laughs) I'm just going to answer these two last questions about my story. So the first one is what's the five year dream? If you listened to the conversation I had with my friend Fee over on her podcast called She Can, She Did, she asked me this at the end and she also asked me what I wanted my legacy to be, which is a huge question, by the way. And I was very glad she gave me some notes before to prepare from because I think I would have been a bit stumped if she just asked that question. Um, But when I think about the five-year dream, I always think, you know, the way my business has grown so far has never been with me thinking, in a year's time, this is exactly what I want it to look like. But what my business has grown from is me constantly knowing what I wanted it to feel like and what am I what I wanted my impact to be. So for me, when I think long-term, I'm not necessarily thinking, you know, I wanna have this many in my team or I wanna be doing this kind of work or I wanna be working in this city or have an office that looks like this. It's not that specific. But for me, I just know that the way I want my business to grow is to ensure that I'm constantly having the impact that I wanna have. And for me, that looks like inspiring people to push boundaries, um, empowering people to know that they have the power to 
to run their own businesses and market themselves and stand strong in their value. To me, it looks like creating platforms which show people that they're not alone and give people something to connect to and start a conversation from. And it also just looks like being someone who is known as a nice person. When I think about where I want my business to be, I'm more thinking really about the impact that I want it to have and what I want to be known for as opposed to physically what that's going to look like. The reality is I don't even know in six months time exactly what my business will look like. But for me, that excites me. And I think giving your business freedom to look how it is going to look and to be instead specific about getting it to feel how you want it to feel is so much better because I couldn't have predicted any of the things that have happened in my business. I couldn't have predicted any of the shifts or any of the pivots, but I'm so grateful for the fact that I gave myself freedom to explore each of those changes and opportunities. I think if I'd had a really rigid plan, I maybe wouldn't have given myself that freedom and might not be where I am right now. So for me, the five-year dream is just to be doing more of what I'm doing right now, to have a good impact, to inspire people, to comfort people, to keep creating content, which people find, you know, is relatable and it just feels honest and just to start conversations. Um, No clue what that'll look like, but we'll find out in five years time. The final question, which I actually really liked is, do you like being self-employed and what is your favorite thing about being self-employed? So maybe I'll give you a pro and a con because there's, you know, pros and cons to everything. Everything's balanced. Do I like being self-employed? If I'm honest, I don't think I really know or fully understand what it looks like to not be self-employed. So whenever people say to me like, should I become self-employed? Should I quit my nine to five? I'm like, look, I'm the most biased person you can ask because pretty much all of my experience as an adult, well, all of my experience as an adult has been in a self-employed role. I have never been properly employed as opposed in, I haven't really been properly employed um, other than the first nine months where I was kind of working in that sales assistant and events management role. So for me, I love being self-employed. It's really the only thing I know. I love the freedom of it. I love the ability that I have to control my own schedule. I love the fact that what I'm building is my own and I'm not working towards someone else's dreams or making anyone else rich. Um, I love that it's something that I feel a huge amount of autonomy over and therefore can feel a huge amount of pride about when things go really great. Um, yeah, I do love it. Couldn't imagine being in a nine to five. I think I'm slightly unemployable at this point. I think I've been spoiled by being self-employed at this age and now couldn't really imagine someone else telling me what to do, when to turn up to work and basically tell me anything because I think I'm so used to controlling my own schedule and doing my own thing and being responsible for myself that I just wouldn't see it any other way and I love it. Definitely some pros though, you know me, all about talking about the unspoken stuff that we don't always talk about. Probably the biggest thing, which I think I've not fully come to terms with because I do still live at home and I'm very privileged in the fact that I don't have people who are financially dependent on me is the slight lack of financial security. I think it's something as I'm beginning to think about moving out or, you know, getting a mortgage or investing in things, I'm realizing that actually not everything in the world is made for self-employed people and even getting a mortgage is pretty impossible in the position that I'm in. So I think for me, that's one of the biggest cons is just the... um, I guess the lack of predictability in it in terms of finances, but also in terms of workload. I find it really hard to know, you know, what the next six months is going to look like. Because as I've said, the reality of my business is that I 
have an intention, I say yes to opportunities and I see where they take me. And that means sometimes being pretty chill with the fact that I don't know what things are gonna look like long-term and I don't always have a ton of security. But it's worth saying that the things that I love about being self-employed, the fact that I have freedom, the fact that I have autonomy, I wouldn't have without that slight lack of you know, security that I get financially. So I wouldn't change it for the world, but for me, if I probably could change one thing, I would have someone pay me a paycheck every single month. Even if it's less that I get paid now, just to know that there's money coming in every month would be a nice feeling, um, just so there's no worry or concern. But hey, I mean pros and cons, because if I didn't have a need to make money and there wasn't like you know, if you go to your nine to five, if you kind of take a month pretty slow and chill, you still get paid. You might get in a bit of trouble, but you still get paid. Whereas when you're self-employed, if you take things a bit chill, like you don't get paid, you don't get any money. So if anything, probably the lack of security makes me work harder. So everything has a flip side. Everything's a pro and a con. But overall, I adore being self-employed. I wouldn't change it for the world. There are obviously a huge amount of learning curves I've had about you know, some of the cons in terms of the fact that you are quite isolated and it is quite hard to have community and feel like you're not alone. And that is something I've talked a lot about, particularly in, I don't know the number of the episode, but I shared five things that I have learned since becoming self-employed. All of those lessons obviously have come from the negative sides of what I do. But now that I've done it for a few years, I've learned my lessons. I've put things in place to make sure that I have good boundaries and communities and that I'm building my business in a sustainable way. I love being self-employed and I really would not change it. So those are those questions. I hope you enjoyed finding out a bit more about me and my story and my perspective. As I said, I did have a few other questions to answer, but I might answer those in another episode or maybe save them for episode number 100 when we get to two years of the podcast who knows but thank you so much for tuning in today and I we wrong on this episode which is such a milestone episode not to say a huge thank you for this podcast when I think back to when this podcast first started when I think back to the first six months of this podcast the numbers were incredibly low and I was really still finding my feet with it and you know numbers are not everything but it is something incredible about the fact that so many people do tune in And the fact that so many of you let me know the impact that this podcast and the conversations that I host on here have had on you is just the nicest feeling. I can't tell you how much it means to know that me sitting and talking to myself for half an hour brings some form of positivity or encouragement or comfort to your day. It genuinely, genuinely does mean the world to know that there are people and stories and a real impact behind the numbers. Um, So thank you for that. Thank you if you've tuned in once. Thank you if you've tuned in from the very start and had to deal with my awkward episodes at the very beginning it really does mean a lot if you've ever left a review if you've ever sent me an instagram message or tagged me in your stories when you're listening please know that i screenshot every single thing i see that's positive i put it in a folder on my phone and i look at it when i need a bit of encouragement because it really does mean a lot and even though you know they're more frequent now i really don't take for granted the fact that people spend their time tuning into this and enjoy what I'm putting out there. So thank you so much. I would just encourage you, if you're thinking of starting something like a podcast, whether it's a blog series or in, you know, something you want to do with your email list or a podcast itself, I would just encourage you, if you believe in the idea to do it, I talk about the very early days of this podcast quite honestly that there weren't a lot of listeners and statistically it probably wasn't very effective for my business but it was an idea that I really believed in. It was a concept which felt true to me. It was something that I knew had potential so I just kept going. 
For about eight months, I was consistent with the podcast, even when the statistics weren't telling me that I was using my time effectively. But looking back, I'm so glad I stuck at it and that I was, you know, sure of the fact that it was a good move. And I was stubborn in a way not to give up just because the numbers were I didn't want them to be. So I just encourage you off the back of that. If this podcast has taught me anything, it's if you love something, if you believe in something, try it. Start today, do something today to make it happen because if it works out great, you're not gonna regret it at all. And if it doesn't, then you learn something from it and it's a story to tell. So either way, win, win. But thank you so much for tuning in today. I'll be back next week with a really, really incredible guest episode. It was such an inspiring conversation to have. The woman that I've got on here is a constant inspiration to me and someone whose story you can just take so much from. So do tune in next Monday. So not the soonest Monday, but the Monday after for that guest episode. But thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting this podcast. I'm going to go catch my train and I'll be with you next week.